on the agenda. Frank Tavera, the CEO of the Waterbury Palace Theater. Frank, you probably uh, probably had less buses to drive behind today on your way here. I have to say, it was um, it was smooth sailing. I got, I got here early, which is um, a never, first for me. It's never happened before. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I expected you about now because you're normally stuck behind traffic yeah, from exactly. your home to to Waterbury. Let me straighten out my seat because you know I'm a little nervous having a controversial Frank. Oh, gee, yeah, I know me, me and the drama. <laughs> God, I tell you. Well, listen, welcome. Uh, you are the CEO of the Palace Theater in Waterbury. Um, 14 years, 15 yeah, years? 14 years, 14 15 years, years something yeah, like long that. Long time. Yeah. And uh, you've uh, done great things there. We all uh, love, of course, the theater and many, many things it does for the community and with the community. Uh, recently, though, the last week and a half, there has been some controversy raised about a number of subjects to do with the Palace mm-hmm. Theater. And you are the point man. Mm-hmm. So uh, I asked you to come by today and you graciously accepted. So thanks for being here. Um, I mean... There's a, a number of issues that have been raised about the expenses of the Palace Theater, uh, reports that are supposed to go from the Palace to the, I think, the Board of Aldermen. Yes, correct. Which I think, and I know you've answered all these things. And also, of course, the most recent one about booking more, uh, more events at the Palace. Wouldn't that be lovely? So, let's find out first about, um, let's go back to the first part of the story, which was, Financial reports quarterlies mm-hmm. going to the, I guess, the Board of Aldermen. Absolutely. Right. And I, I would say yes, and, um, and I will be the first to say that we were, um, in fact, a tad negligent in um, sending in some of the reports to um, the Board of Aldermen and the City Finance Director. And I'm not blaming anyone except for myself because I should have um, uh, been aware of that or more apprised of the fact that they weren't happening. Um, with transition in staff, transition with Board of Aldermen and changes even in the city's, off, um, city's um, office, I mean, there's been a lot of um, changing of hands. Right, right. And um, the reports were all completed. Of course, they're always submitted to our board. We also have board of aldermen representation on our board of directors. So, in a you know, in a sense of full disclosure, all that information has been um, uh, available at, at all times. The only thing we neglected to do was send them on a regular basis to the um, to the finance director. That has all been rectified as of um, last week. They are up to date. They are current. They have always received our audited financials um, as well. So there was nothing uh, nefarious about it, as I believe I'm um, Steve G- Alderman Steve. G- Giacomi said um, it was just it was sheer it was just sheer oversight and so we've corrected that um, in fact early next week um, I believe um, the city will be receiving actually all of our minutes all of our finance reports because there's also been a question of um, who received them and what did they do with them mm-hmm. in this yeah. um, in the city's office so we're gonna we compiled all the data it'll be dropped off um, in a nice binder on it for in a review um, so that that issue That's is done. Um, least of our concern. And, you know, let's face it, since day one, you've had a very strong, you know, board of directors. I mean, it changes from time to time, uh, but always very strong and very uh, uh, well-known in many cases, uh, board members on, on the board. So I would, uh, and you and your staff are, are uh, very professional, so I would assume all that, all that up and up stuff is very, very up and up. So that's an easy thing to correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the other issue that's come up, of course, is uh, some, I guess there's some social media comment about the fact that uh, the palace should have more shows. Then the mayor uh, also kind of said, well, it would be nice to have more shows. It would be nice to have more activity for downtown Waterbury. Absolutely. And the newspapers got involved, the Observer and the Republican American, of course, with that story. And it all, you know, it makes some sense. There's some negativity to it, though, uh, kind of pointed almost uh, I'm just going to say the way the quotes came out, it looked like something between you know the mayor and maybe yourself, or the mayor and or or Andy Michaud and mm-hmm. you know who did some social media stuff and um, and the palace or or the board of directors and the any rate, 
I, I know that you all know each other, and, and uh, it's a city of, of, of uh, great uh, um, uh, friendships and professional uh, uh, attachments as well. So, uh, And I know the Palace has done a tremendous job, let's face it, of being successful all these years for downtown Waterbury. But there's a little pressure on to maybe get more going, and this is where we're at, I think, with the story, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 Tom, I will say, um, the mayor's comments about more activity, I, even Andy Mashaw's comment about more activity, um, that is nothing new. I mean, that is something that we, as an organization, not only just the staff, but the board as well, we embrace that whole idea of more activity. Um, and, I, and I've tried to say this in the number of articles that were out there. We agree with the idea of doing more. We would love to continue to do more. And I think we've done an amazing job. If, if we look at what the theater was back in 2004 to what we have been able to accomplish with number of people walking through the door, the fact that we've been able to expand our market reach. And yes, we serve Waterbury, but we also serve greater Waterbury and yes. the communities beyond yeah. that. And that is our, you know, that is our base as well. I think we've done tremendous. I mean, when we look at that, and I won't even get into Phantom, we'll talk, we could talk about that later. Because I don't want to make it seem as if I'm, you know, um, um, getting away from the point. The reality is, we as an organization agree that we could be doing more. We do have some limitations um, as far as activity, etc. Um, the challenge really is the the biggest one that for us is actually balancing that fiscal responsibility hat. We were given a challenge to put on shows, and we continue to do that. We were given a responsibility to engage the community, and we continue to do that. And we're trying to expand that as well. The other responsibility was be fiscally responsible. Yes, this was. Not not to be a drain on the city of Waterbury in any way, shape, or form. So being a fiscally responsible organization that wasn't expecting anything from the city because we were going to be self-sufficient, that's a tough balance to maintain. We are in an incredibly competitive market. People may just look at Waterbury and say, oh, it's just Waterbury. No, we are in a competitive state, which I always say, you know, the size of a postage stamp, and in 35 minutes you can end up, end up in any performing arts venue yeah. and or producing house with entertainment options galore. Andy Mashad was at the Ridgefield Playhouse the night that we had rain. Um, at the Palace Theater. Mm -hmm. Good for him. He got to see something he wanted to see in Richfield. My point is that it is close enough to be able to go to um, in the state. So people have options to find the entertainment choices of their choice. So we have a competition issue that we try to work with, not only for um, um, for the customer, but from programming as well. So we oh, have yeah. competition. We have a declining marketplace as well because, I mean, there has been an exodus going on. I mean, we're hitting more of the suburbs. And then we have that financial responsibility that says put on shows that are going to we make money to keep the lights on because we can't go to the city, or it is our responsibility to make sure that we pay our bills. Those are the three balls we have in the air constantly trying to juggle, um, and that's where I think some of the rub is. So we're looking at it proactively to say, okay, how can we bring on more programs um, to theater? How can we maintain fiscal responsibility? Right. That's critical yeah. as well. Um, and. Are we going to make everybody happy at all times? Absolutely not. But I think our mission has been true, and we've been stayed pretty true to it since day one. Now, your theater, the Palace Theater, is a little bit different than uh, than other theaters in the area because you you bring in these big Broadway shows, the professional tours. Mm -hmm. Not all theaters can do that. No, no. The building was built back in you know two thousand four. You know, I know that you know, when we look at the articles that were written. You know, we can go back to nineteen ninety six when people thought it was going to be a community theater and um, more of the local local arts organizations are going to be able to use it. Um, the reality is the building was built at a different level. It was built as a presenting house, one that was designed not only to bring in touring Broadway pro productions at the mm -hmm. largest scale, 
but also one that was not going to be competing with the local, regional, and community theaters as well, because we wanted a place that everyone could survive, so that Seven Angels can continue to do its work, Landmark or Thompson Opera House can continue to do its work, um, and the hosts of other organizations, inclusive of the Warner, can continue to do their work, and our niche was going to be different. Right. Not any of those venues that I just mentioned could bring in Phantom of the Opera, or we'll be able to bring in Jersey Boys in the two, week, in two weeks that is coming, um, or David Byrne Concert, which is been is sold out for next um, weekend. Our venue is different. It was a presenting, not a producing house. And Tommy, you know uh, probably better than anybody that the costs associated with producing your own show and or community theater presentations versus presenting a show of ours in a building of our size and caliber have completely two different cost structures yeah. um, and the way they're composed yeah. um, as well. So that was the design of the theater and that was a mission and that's what we're delivering on. And running uh, a theater and uh, is not anything like running any other business. It's yeah. just not the same. Yeah. It's a diffi- very difficult as you have uh, kind of mentioned to us. Now you also have, as you mentioned, the competition. Now I found out in recent years in talking to you and, and Samina and other people that run the theaters in the area that sometimes you may want to book an act. Let's mm-hmm. say you want to you know, book Michael Bublé yeah. or you want to book uh, uh, somebody else who who can't come to this area because they're already contracted to the casinos. Absolutely. The casinos are big players, and uh, they, I guess they have some type of a mileage situation where they can't play this close to the casino. So some of the action we may want to see at the Palace or at the Seven Angels even, um, you know, some, some of the uh, acts we know, sometimes can't, or at the Warner, they can't always play there because of their contract. No, no, they can't play They want be- to play there. But they it would be appropriate to play there, right. but unfortunately, given the restrictions that are associated with the, you know, um, with, with their um, clauses, you know, if the casino, I, I, I can use them as a prime example. When a casino gets an artist, there is a 60-mile radius in a 90-day clause, and sometimes it could be a 60-day clause that says, um, if it's performing at the casino, we can't play any place for 60 miles around it. Connecticut is 60 miles. I mean, when you oh look, if you're dry, when you draw a circle around it, we fall within that range. So, a Michael Bublé, a Harry Connick, um, you know, an actor, um, an act of that size and caliber, if it plays a casino, it's not playing here because the casino. Has the um has the exclusive exclusive on it? Then it also has a time clause that says, and you can't perform it. Could be for thirty day um for three months, or it could be six months afterwards. And should it so choose to return to the market, the casino would have first right of refusal on the act. And I'm only picking on the compu- um casino air, um, using right. that as an example because that's the extreme side of it. It adds to the competition. It adds to the certainly. competition. And the interesting thing, and more locally, and um, you know, we've been able to um, we've been able to work it out um, within our relationship with um, Seven Angels, which I think we actually have a very um, good relationship with Samina and Seven Angels. They were doing a show one night in Memphis. Um, it was a mu- one night in Memphis style show. Oh, yeah, or, yeah. Let's yes. say in the fall, yes. if I recall. Yes. We, I'm sorry. It, they had a, a show. I forgot the title of it, but it was going to have similar music Oh, yes, yes. Million dollar quartet. Million dollar quartet. Right. And then we were doing a one off event of one night in Memphis. We ended up shifting our dates by quite, you know, because we talked about it and said, okay, we're going to be sitting on top of each other. Similar type music in a similar type market um, at the same period of time wasn't going to be beneficial for either one of us. Right. So we negotiate, okay, we'll move our date. 
so that we can accommodate um, um, your event as well. That's being a good neighbor, number one. But that's also, most importantly, being realistic as to what the market will bear. We could put on shows every day, Tom. If no one comes or if everyone's making other options because it's Super Bowl Sunday and they're not going to go see a show or whatever the case may be, we have to be cognizant of the, of the ability to um, how many people we can draw into our downtown within yeah. what period of time as well and what price point. And those yeah. are the those are the really the interesting pieces that um, are the challenge for us as a perform um, as a performing arts center putting on large scale presentations that we don't own. We buy them and we present them. We don't produce them and kind of curate them um, and say, yeah, we'll do it next weekend. We don't have that luxury. Yeah, it's a difficult thing. Uh, Eight twenty five, twenty five past the hour. Palace CEO Frank Tavera is with us in studio here. Be back after these words. Thank you very, very much. Do you realize that Frank and I talked throughout the entire newscast? I have no idea what you said. But I'm sure it was good, whatever it was. You do a fine newscast. <laughs> Thanks, DC. It is 838, and the CEO of the Waterbury Palace Theater uh, is my guest here, uh, Frank Tavera, who's become somewhat controversial. Yes. So um, I've got a list of questions I spent the last uh, half hour uh, asking Frank, and he's extremely open to answering it. So we talked about how... A th- how your expenses and how bringing in these touring shows is locks you into very high expenses uh, that you that you don't normally produce your own shows. No, it's, we don't. It's a you bring in shows that type of thing. Uh, now there is a you know a story out there, a very very big part of the of the recent palace uh, story uh, in the last week or so about. Uh, the fact that it is a union house because mm-hmm. you're bringing the big union shows, absolutely, and so they have to have to have a union uh, rep, union crew there from the New Haven local, I think. It's a, well, it's actually local seventy four, which represents not only New Haven, Bridgeport, as well as Stanford. So they do so. Uh, all the major theaters in this area, and, and our right. part of the state, and then right. Hartford has it. Hartford right. area has its own local union. Oh, they do. Okay. Similar, yep. So ideally, would it have been terrific? And maybe someday it's possible that you, I, you know, if if people who want more activity at the Palace downtown could break it apart. What I'm reading and seeing is maybe that not all shows could be union shows, and therefore the union reps wouldn't have to be there every time you're opening the theater, so therefore you're saving all those thousands of dollars. Somehow that doesn't work, but but maybe it could work. How does uh, that work? It, um, and it traditionally doesn't work. Right. And, and when you are a presenting venue and you're um, looking at touring Broadway productions, there is something called a yellow card. A yellow card is a re- show requirements that says you need unionized labor to provide these unionized services. Um, so when you're looking at a Phantom of the Opera, when you're looking at a Jersey Boys, um, when you're looking at even a David Byrne concert, I mean, mm-hmm. they need technicians who are going to be skilled um, craftsmen who can actually do the work um, in an adequate amount of time and are have been trained to um, know where the puzzle pieces go immediately. Unlike time when you were working with, uh, whether you were working at Landmark or Seven Angels or Warner, you sometimes have community volunteers who are helping with sets and lights, etc. And that's allowed. Like you can have exactly. a, at the Seven Angels, which is also a union house, mm-hmm. but it's a special type of union where there's some of the actors are union mm-hmm. and some of the reps, some of the tech people are union, Correct. but you can have volunteers or people helping you. Exactly. In, in, in right. a producing world, when you're doing community style theater and some different different venues as well. You do have that luxury. Um, touring Broadway kind of restricts, um, there are restrictions with mm-hmm. it. The interesting thing, though, um, we have local groups who use the theater all the time. Yeah. Um, um, Randy um, out of Woodbury Ballet does her Nutcracker at, her, at the Palace Theater. She's been there for three or four years. Her audiences continue to increase. And she um, puts on her performance in the unionized building and is able to draw the audience and, and is able to be financially uh, affordable for her and actually um, profitable for her as well. The Palace Theater has what's called a community rate oh, for um, uh-huh. 
for organizations. So if it's a community group that's coming in with certain restrictions and it doesn't come with its own yellow card style show, um, you know, again, restricted by uh, the touring production, we have the ability to um, kind of modify the labor hours. The rates are pretty much the same, but it's the hours and the amount of manpower you get. So there are ways to work around it. We have had success in doing so um, with other organizations. So to say that it is unaffordable um, for everybody, that's truly a misnomer and a misconception. Um, it is not to say that it's not expensive, but you have to make sure that you know exactly what you're doing right. in our theater. Unlike uh, Seven Angels or Landmark or a Warner, you can't rehearse on our stage for weeks on end. We, you, I'm sure you remember this from when we did our show um, years back. You can't rehearse on our stage um, for two to three weeks because then you are ramping right. up the hours. Right. On, so if you can put a production together have it all tested out and then bring it to the Palace Theater for an early in easy in easy performance and easy out, which is basically what the touring productions do, it's completely affordable to right, do so. Yeah. So, and we, we'd be happy to sit down with any organization who's um, looking to do so. We do weddings on our stage, Tom. There's brides husband, um, you know, brides and grooms who yeah. are doing weddings on our stage using the unionized labor because they know they're getting quality um, production and staff. But they can afford to do so as well. So it's not completely um, um, out of everyone's reach. I think they need to reach out to us um, and ask ask the questions, and we can help them put, put the business model together to see whether it can work for them. And you also, I think there is, uh, you can do a, a limited ticket sale type thing, so you just fill the downstairs Absolutely. and don't use the upstairs. Yep, we, we, um, right. we scale the house. <clears throat> That's a much better, yes, scaling the house. We, yeah. we scale the house in, in different ways, which mm-hmm. also, um, you know, um, incurs different uh, costs as well. So so if we say we're only going to be selling the lower part of the orchestra, 635 seats, that means we only have to – We all, there's a reduced rate for rent. Mm-hmm. There is reduced personnel charges that are required because mm-hmm. now we have less people that we have to bring in because there's less attendance. Um, and so the, the overhead costs go down. Reality is, Tom, um, police and fire are always going to be on site. Police, fire, and security have to be incurred. In today's day and age, it's go, what's going on with people – and I hate to even use the word mass shooting. We are a place of congregation. Right. We need to make sure that the police, fire, and security are always present and ever present because I have to make sure that the customer is not only enjoying themselves, but they feel safe and secure. Yes. That's first and foremost. That's a cost. Those labor costs are hard costs that someone has to absorb. The building itself, and I, it was in the paper, and I hate to repeat myself, but I will, um, $350,000 just for the utilities. So had we done nothing in the building... In order to maintain the architectural detail of that space, humidity has to be at a certain level, heat has to be at a certain level, or the plaster and the gilding that is there would get moldy and or become decrepit. We need to keep that building at a certain level. $350,000 is paid in utility bills by the Palace Theater to the utilities and or we reimburse the city if the services were generated through Arts Magnet School and then there's a swap out of checks which uh-huh. we are current on. That's a big overhead cost. Yeah. Let's wow. say we did 2,200 events a year and we had to amortize that um, $350,000. Every organization would have to pay $1,750 just to help cover the cost of the um, um, the utilities. So there's a lot of overhead pieces that go along with that building. It's a wonderful facility. Don't get me wrong. It's it, it's the nicest and most beautiful in the state. And I think we've been incredibly successful. And we should be so proud of it. But there are costs. And if you went to yeah. the Bushel and Hartford, the Schubert New Haven, Stanford Center, um, um, and St. Palace and Stanford um, as well, the costs are all very similar yeah. to yeah. performing our centers like ours. So we're not an anomaly. Um, we are actually pretty much the norm. 
does it meet the community needs, I think, is what was trying to be sold in 1996 to the community. Perhaps it doesn't exactly. But, we're, we, I mean, there's ways that we can try to work around that as well. And you're very much willing to. Yeah. And I think the board, obviously, is willing to. Right? There's a lot of interest in the board, the current board, to yeah. uh, do what you can to make more. Th- and the mayor. So everybody wants to uh, sit down and talk about maybe doing more if possible. Exactly. Uh, in doing more is, is a couple different things as well. I mean, our board has taken a position as well. Do large-scale productions, of course, be fiscally responsible? Yes. We are also, and I, and I couldn't help but look at it after I was having my conversations with a John Murray and even a Harrison um, Connery from the Rep Am, to look at all the level of programming that we do. You know, I'm sure many people know, perhaps they don't. This evening, we have a jazz show in the Polite Club. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now the Palace Theater is not just a main hall for Broadway shows or for high school graduations. We're also the only jazz club in this area. So now we're servicing, we're servicing a completely different audience to put out for jazz performances on a Friday night. Right. Coming in. Where else in this state, right off the bat, if you said in 10 to 15 minute driving time, could you go see top quality performers who perform jazz in a club style setting, not in New York, where could you see that? I don't know if you can name a restaurant and or a bar right. and or club that's doing so. So we provide jazz. We do trivia nights once every month. 150 to 160 people come once a month. They're from, fun. From near and far, not just from Waterbury, to play trivia. If you peel that back and you took it away and you said, okay, who are we competing with in the local market for who's providing trivia? No one's providing trivia. Okay, so now we're providing trivia um, opportunities for people to come. A nice, easy evening, affordable ticket price for something fun and engaging and maybe educational, who knows, um, on that end of it. So we do jazz, we do trivia, we um, also have Al Taylor does this wonderful R&B, his goal, it's called Act Jams. Yes. Um, it's either a dance party, it could be a concert, in our orchestra bar lobby. 200 people show up for that. So we're utilizing that space the Palace Theater footprint in a host of different ways, and we end up really being the community center because there's no other jazz club we're competing with. No one else is doing trivia, and no place else would you be able to go see an R&B jazz concert and or a dance event um, in that setting in this local market. Well, you know, your lobby, you call it the lower lobby bars, or what you call bar it. Lobby, yeah. I have to say, it's, it's, a, it's large and beautiful, and uh, people do use it a lot for different types of functions, and it's a great way to keep the palace booked and busy without having to open up the gigantic uh, theater house. Because yeah. right. at times, there are, uh, there are times when the big hall doesn't make sense as far as putting it on, whether right. the acts whether the acts aren't there, whether there's competition in the marketplace. But So we're servicing a host of different people when we look um, through that level of activity, and if it was only to be put on big stuff in the big stage, that'd be great. But then what about the jazz people? Right. What about the trivia people? And what about um, the people who want to um, go to an R&B jazz, you know, um, club setting as well? So I think we've kind of taken the mission and expanded it. And when you look at our level of activity and services provided, there's really not a lot of other organizations who are doing with or we're com- directly competing with because we're the sole, pe- sole providers of that. Yeah. I think we do a good job, Tom. I would be the first we could do better, and I would take the mayor's um, comments to heart, um, and I would take the comments from the community as well to say, okay, how can we improve what we're doing? How can we include and be more inclusive? Um, I think that'd be wonderful to do so. It takes time. It takes dialogue, and I think if anything good came out of this, me being controversial for this week, <laughs> uh, um, anything good, I think we've opened up the window for more conversation and dialogue, and hopefully we collectively can come to terms and figure out how can we 
we move the needle for the palace so everyone benefits perhaps a little bit more. Including downtown. Including downtown, absolutely. absolutely. And which they, they really look to the palace and Yukon and the schools to keep more people downtown, and the palace certainly provides that uh, gigantic amount of uh, numbers. So that's, uh, well, so it looks to me like it's all going to, you know, doors have been opened for conversation, mm-hmm. and uh, the conversation will continue. And it's up also to the board of directors uh, to say, okay, Frank, let's do a bit more. Let's see if we can do it this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. I mean, I know the numbers have I've been quoted on a host of times. I'm going to pick on Phantom. Um, again, <laughs> 22,000 people walked through the door. 10,000 people came to the first time to Waterbury yeah. Palace Theater for the first time to see Phantom of the Opera. 50% of the state's zip codes were represented through wow. um, all that data that we received. Mm-hmm. Whether it was one person from, I don't even know, from Eastford in the you know, in the um, um, in the northwest, no, or northeast part of the state, I, but the zip codes were represented. So we know that the productions were bringing are drawing traffic. Will we love to see them come more frequently? Yes. Interestingly enough, after Phantom, we solicited those first timers and said, "Hey, if you love Phantom, come to Jersey Boys. Jersey Boys is going to be." Uh, meet and exceed all of our financial expectations and our attendance expectations. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, about 250 households uh, from Phantom who were first-timers came back, are coming back to see Jersey Boys. So our theory is always engage them once, hopefully make a impre- positive impression on them, not with the, just with the facility, with the production, with the experience. And I think the services they receive outside of the venue, the police, crossing on the street, all that stuff – Huge assets for us. Yeah. If we can get them to have that wonderful experience once, getting them to come back was the, not the hardest part either. And we can get them to come back twi- once you're in twice, then you might become loyal fans and yeah. followers. It's a beautiful theater. And so that's always yeah. been our plan. And I think the level of programming that we're bringing is attracting a broader audience than I think was originally expected. Um, and it's something that we should be celebrating and be proud of, um, um, as opposed to perhaps picking on it and saying you know, it, it could be doing more. No one's discounting that, but I think we've done a great deal. And I want to compliment the Waterbury Police, the guys that are in front of that, uh, guys and gals that are in front of the palace for all the shows. So friendly, so helpful. <laughs> you know, kudos to the uh, to the to to Vern Riddick and his his people, and to the mayor for the the placement of security around the building during the shows. Friendly, friendly, helpful right. people. They're not, you know, it's a, it's like a, it's part of the atmosphere Absolutely. of going into the theater. And so uh, sadly, they're standing out in the rain and the snow yeah. sometimes, yeah. and they're and they're, and they're greeting the customer. They're our first line, and I don't want to say defense. They're our first line of welcoming, yeah. um, which I think really um, allays anyone's concern about coming downtown because they know that presence is there. Right. So they have exactly. done an amazing job, and they are treated honestly. They are treated as if they're part of the house staff, whether it's the um, the fire and or the police. We work in concert with one another and we're always communicating because we want to make sure that the experience um, um, is, is at the highest level for the customer. Like I said, get them in once, they feel comfortable, if the show's good, I better deliver a good come show, they're likely to come back. That's right. Hey Frank, thanks for coming in today. My pleasure. A little no holes barred chit-chat about the fact that you've become controversial for a week <laughs> and uh, appreciate I, all your answers. Uh, more drama this week on um, in the paper than on the stage. Uh, that's well, okay. that's a good thing to know. Uh, so, I appreciate the time. Thanks for all your support and I Thank appreciate you. all the listeners um, in the area who support the theater and who have comments about it. We are open to it. This is nothing we've shied away from. From 2004, when I started here, we have never shied away from the conversation, the dialogue. Can um, you know? And I hope I can make everyone's expectation, meet everyone's expectation.